Welcome to Mara Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service, brought to you from our beautiful historic sanctuary in downtown Tyler. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor. We appreciate your participation in this morning's broadcast and pray that God's message will speak to you in a beautiful way. Let's join in as the message has already begun. Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you were brought forth, the whole world, the, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight is like a day that have gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. The wrath is great as the fear that is due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as we have been afflicted, for as many years that we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, I had the blessing of being in the friendly class this morning as they prayed for the church at 10 o'clock in the morning. Hopefully, if you were in Sunday school, your Sunday school class had a time set aside for prayer. It was a prayer that was written by Tom Waldert. He and Linda Armstrong are the chairs of our 175 committee, and we will celebrate next Sunday uh, 175 years of ministry for Marvin Church. So I think as I've learned this morning, over 420 of you have made a reservation for our luncheon celebration. I think there's room for maybe about 100 more. We're going to have some overflow crowd, 480 in the gym. But please sign up today if you've not already done so. We need to get those in. It's going to be a wonderful celebration next Sunday. But today is the day to celebrate our saints. It's a day to share in Holy Communion. Will you pray with me? Lord God, in these moments, as your word is proclaimed, hide me now behind the cross. The words that are shared here might be edifying for your people. Come, Holy Spirit, and do a good work among us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, Psalm 90 is the oldest psalm in the book of Psalms. It's considered the oldest psalm because it is attributed, as it says at the beginning for many of us in our Bibles, a prayer of Moses, the man of God, which means that this psalm would be about 3,000 years old. We don't know exactly when the psalm was written, but we do have two possibilities that scholars uh, want to point to. One would be right as the Israelites entered through into the promised land and Moses heard about the, uh, uh, you know, the first report and, and the people decided that they did not want to go into the promised land. It was too great. And so his processing of all that was the psalm of thinking ahead for these uh, 40 years or so that were wandering and waiting to get into the promised land. 
it's a reflection on that. And others believe that maybe he, after the years of waiting, right before his own death, and I think that's a good possibility as well, uh, writes these words that become for us Psalm 90. And the point of reference that we want to look to, and you might want to make a note, you can read these chapters later this afternoon, maybe, or sometime this week, is uh, uh, Numbers 13 and 14 will tell the story of the what I call the, the majority report that comes back with negative uh, uh, consequences predicted. And so that stops the whole redemption plan of going into the promised land. Or in Numbers 20, you'll get to the story of uh, where uh, Moses uh, is about ready to end his, uh, going to end his life on earth, not being able to see uh, the promised land. We're going to talk about that this morning. Numbers 13 and 14 first. Again, Moses sends in the 12 spies, and only two of them come back saying that we can do this. God is with us. He's shown us miraculous power, and we can take the promised land. And, uh, and then the 10 come back with this uh, report that is overwhelming, that the people are great, the cities are fortified, we will be like grasshoppers, we will certainly be squished and killed. And so the people take hold of the minority report, or the majority report, the negativity, and uh, we find that uh, God then begins to uh, be, well, he has to reset. He has plans to take the people into the promised land, but God will meet with Moses in the tent of meeting and listen to this question that God asks of Moses, how long how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe me despite all that I have done? And so at that time, God gives this idea that he is going to just end this thing. He's just going to smite all the people and destroy them there in the wilderness. And uh, Moses says, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute, God, I think you need to rethink this. I know you talked about Caleb and Joshua and me maybe being able to start anew and starting with this little remnant. But what's the vision going to be to all the world? All the world has been watching is uh, you uh, stood down Pharaoh and showed down those plagues and got the people to cross through the Red Sea and brought them to the brink of the promised land. And if you do all that and you know that you've promised them the land and then you smite them all here before they ever go in, what will that do to your reputation, God? Numbers 14, will we pick that up? If you want to read this, Moses reminds them, uh, reminds God, God, you're slow to anger, you're abounding in love, you're forgiving of sin and rebellion. And God hears those words and he relents in this idea that he will destroy the people. He changes his mind, that's another sermon in itself. But the thing that happens here that's important is there's no one of these who have come into the promised land except for Caleb and Joseph, their families will get to see the promised land. And there's this beautiful expression I wanna lift out, but because my servant Caleb has a, get this, a different spirit, and because he follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him to the land. Friends, I want you to hear that, a different spirit. In a world today where we're wishy-washy, we're bouncing back and forth, oftentimes myself included, between faithfulness and trust in God, God is looking for those who will be wholeheartedly, devotedly sold out to Him. He is looking for those who have a different spirit, a different countenance, a trust and a faith in God. And those names we will read in just a moment are those types of individuals who've come through Marvin Church, these great heroes and heroines of the faith who have revealed and shown to us a faithfulness, a serving heart, a generosity. 
Well, the other one will be Numbers 20, as I talked to you about. The, you had the Numbers 13 and 14 and the Numbers 20. And just, just to bring you up to speed on this, Moses is very much older. He's about 120 years of age. His sister Miriam has died. His brother Aaron has died. And now he has watched all for the last 40 or 38 or so years, he's watched these people that came out of Egypt with him die. And with that, you know he's got some grief and then to top that off, the people come quarreling again. Why did you bring us to this terrible place? There's no grain, there's no figs, there's no grapevines, there's no pomegranates, there's no water to drink. Moses will again meet with God in the tent of meeting, and there he gets instructions. God says to Moses, you need to speak to the rock, and this rock will bring forth water, and you will be able to uh, drink. You'll drink for the people. There'll be drink for the animals, and you will survive. Moses goes out to do what he is asked to do by God, but has a very condescending attitude. Listen to these words from Numbers 20, 11. Listen, you rebels, he says to them. Must we bring you water out of this rock? And then he struck the rock twice with his staff, and the water came out. Now, the interesting thing is, this is very perplexing, but there's an attitude about Moses here, whether he's making it about himself, whether he's condescending to the people, but God doesn't like it. He's not reflecting the holiness of God in this moment, the reverence and the, the peace and the patience and the love and the standfastness of God. And so in this moment, God makes a decision and he will tell Moses, you will not enter the promised land either. So you compile all the grief about the long 120 years of life, watching people die, watching his family members die that are close to him. Now he's not gonna be able to fulfill the promise for which he was called to do and to enter the promised land with his own soles of his feet. And you would understand why he is now in a reflective mood and now maybe pens Psalm 90. So I want to say, just lift up these thoughts for you. We are mortal people. We have great moments and we have weak moments. We have frail moments and we have moments where we are really in step and stride with the Holy Spirit. We are mortal, but yet eternal. Secondly, God's wrath towards our sin leads to death. And thirdly, we are to number our days. We are to be mindful that we don't have a long time to live on this earth, and we need to make the most of our time that we have. Satisfied, being satisfied by God's love, seeking to have God establish the work of our hands. Well, let's talk about the first point here. We are mortal and yet eternal. The Psalm writes, uh, nine, 9 verse 3, 90 verse 3, you turn people back to dust, return to dust, you mortals. You sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like grass in the morning. They spring up new, but then they quickly wither away. Our days may come to 70 or 80, yet the best of them, we know trouble, we know sorrow, yet they quickly pass and we fly away. You can just hear the reflection about all that he's watched and gone through and all that he's experienced. You know, it's been said that time is a great healer, but a poor beautician. I love that. We finish our life, our years with a moan, don't we? Well, some of us are closer to that moaning age, and we're experiencing some of those moans and aches and pains, and maybe others are that are still in college or are getting you know, younger in their years. 
And friends, I want to just remind you that in your lifetime, there will be good and there will be bad. Moses had great moments. Moses was called by God to deliver. It says in Exodus 12, 37, there were 600 men on foot that left Egypt as slaves and to be freed. And friends, if you extrapolate that out, many believe when you add wives and children, two million people were led out of Egypt in the Exodus. What a massive calling that he had at a year. And he was 80 years of age when he was called by God to do that. He stand down the most powerful man in the world, calling out the plagues. So we know that he experienced those miracles that he was able to do through his staff, through God's power. We know that also the parting of the Red Sea, we know that manna came down from heaven and twice water was beautifully brought to the people when they were thirsty. He met with God on Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments. He went to God often in the tent of meeting. These were such great moments of this man of God. That's why I think that title, Man of God, is here in the psalm. And that's why I think Moses is on one of the back windows of our church, the great lawgiver. But yet we know he had sorrow. The complaints of the people, observing the lack of faith, the response of taking the promised land, you know, watching those die in the wilderness, especially his brother and his sister, being told by God that he would not get to enter the promised land himself. That is the mortal life that we all live. There are good things and there are bad things. But I remind each of us, we all have a role to play. We all have a way in which we can step into service for God. And this is what Moses has been good about doing. He has fulfilled his role. He has set the table, if you will, will for Jesus Christ to come behind him. He has delivered people from sin and oppression. And we know that that is just a great framework for deliverance from sin that Jesus did for us. He passed the people through the waters of the Red Sea through the miraculous work of God. We know that every baptized person who follows Christ passes through the living waters of baptism. We know that he gave word of instruction as God gave him the Ten Commandments. What a gift that has been to us. But we know that Jesus would be the word of God in the flesh. And he brings his grace and truth through his death. And in verse 1 and 2 of this psalm, we hear that God has been our dwelling place for all generations. I love, you know, I love word studies. I have to have a word study for the day. And so if you're taking notes, the Hebrew word is Mahon. And Mahon, not Mahomes, everybody. I know you'd be clued in. We're not talking about Patrick Mahomes. We're talking about Mahon, which is this word dwelling. You have been our dwelling place for generation to generation. That's a beautiful, let's just let that sink in for just a moment. God, you have been our dwelling place for generation to generation. That's what we're here to celebrate today, right? Those who've gone before us, God was their dwelling place. Those who will come after us that are in our children's ministry, God will be their dwelling place. And, and this idea, my own, is this idea not only of dwelling place or home, some commentators speak of it as a den like a den. Now, I know the Hebrew people probably had single dwellings where they did, they kind of all either slept maybe in a little room, they had one other little room, but they didn't have the rooms like we have in our homes. But those of you who used to have older floor plan homes, Gene and I included, you had maybe a living room and you had a den, right? 
And your guests would come in by the front door and they would enter into the living room. And if they were a formal guest and you were going to sit down briefly with them or serve them tea or have a formal conversation, you would be in the living room. But if they were a close friend, someone you wanted to be, have a good intimate conversation with, you would take them into the den. Where do our families hang out? We don't hang out in the living room. We hang out in the dens of our lives or the family rooms of our lives. And so I love this reflection. God, you've been the den from generation to generation. You've been that place where intimate conversation happens. You've been that place sometimes where we even wrestle and argue with those that we love. Lord, you've been in the midst of our hearts and our homes right there at the hub. That's the den. So here's the question for all of us today. Friends, is your relationship with God a living room relationship? Or is your relationship with God a den relationship? Are you able to go to God every day in the morning and pray with Him and interact with Him and, and engage with Him and call out and cry out to Him and praise God with Him? Or does God just get brought out on Sunday mornings when we sit in the formal living room in this beautiful sanctuary in our pretty clothes with the pretty people and this is where we encounter God? If that's your God, then you're not understanding. You have been our dwelling place from generation to generation. We have this beautiful opportunity to be in relationship with God. So have a den-type relationship with the Lord. I believe that's what Moses had. And Moses had the tent of meeting. That was a, just, a, again, he didn't have the Holy Spirit. He didn't have the Bible. He didn't uh, understand prayer. Maybe it's like, quite like we do, but he was encountering God face to face in a sense, right? So he had that intimate time with God, and that is what really the Christian should be all about. Secondly, God's wrath towards our sin leads to death. There's so many times that the word wrath is mentioned. I didn't feel like we could do a study of the, the Psalm 90 and really just skip over it if it wasn't there. So I want to speak about that. Again, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Now that's a great word, contempt. You know, I looked it up and I just found some other words and amazingly they all started with D. Disrespect, disobedience, disdain, disgust. Oh, it saddens my heart that many in our culture in our world today, especially in America, to have such disrespect for God, such disdain or even disgust for those who are the people of God. This, is, uh, this has got to be a burden to God's heart. And, and just imagine what God thought when after bringing the people out of, out of slavery the miraculous 10 plagues and, and delivering through the, the, the Passover meal and then, and then amazingly bringing through the Red Sea and then, and, then, and then they embrace the majority report of saying, we can't go further. And the statement that says, oh God, you've brought us to this place only to have us obliterated by our enemies. Wow. But before I get too judgmental, has my life not been like that? Sometimes God's done such great work deliverance and done some amazing things in my life, but then I'm quick to just drop the trust immediately. I too need to hear this message. And God's wrath is not something, friends, that is, uh, is uh, irrational or, or rageful. God's wrath, I, want, I think in the best helpful ways is to uh, study the book, James Bryan Smith, The Good and Beautiful God. He talks about God's wrath as necessary, a part of holiness, and it stands... A reason that God is opposed, strongly opposed to sin that we so easily dabble in, that we so easily say, oh, these consequences won't harm me, 
and we don't understand that God is against it greatly. Pastor Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Zacharias said, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you ever want to pay. And yet people are warming up to sin, it seems, in our world today. We should be running from sin. In fact, I remember the words of John Wesley, give me 100 men, I don't care if they're clergy or lady who, who hate sin and love God, and I'll turn the gates, we'll storm together the gates of hell. I totally obliterated that quote of Wesley's, but it's that spirit that he says, people that are afraid of sin, that love God so strongly. Romans 6.23 states, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we see in this passage, and we see references also in the New Testament, we won't have time to really explore it any further, but just to say to you that in 1 Corinthians 10, another place if you want to do a little extra reading, you see how the, that Paul is warning the Corinthians about all the immorality that's going on and just warning them, says, just take a look back and look at what the children of God did as they were in the wilderness and how they stumbled and how the rock was there and that rock was Christ. But then you find this interesting point. The rock was struck here by Moses. Moses was so disobedient. Moses didn't follow what God asked him to do. Moses got, Moses got upset and angry in the moment. He struck the rock. And in a sense, Paul is making a comparison. Christ Jesus was struck by all our sins. Whatever we've done wrong, whenever we've done it wrong, we have struck Christ, but he is for us our living water. He is the representation of a God who is faithful, a God who is patient, and a God who is forgiving. Moses struck the rock in sin, but Jesus takes away the wrath of God, and we can have forgiveness through him. And in a beautiful way, we see at the end of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 34, again, you can read this passage, that even though Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land, even though he doesn't get to fulfill that dream, God takes him to a high mountain, allows him to look over and to see it with his own eyes, and then when Moses dies, he buries him himself. It's a moment of beautiful grace of a compassionate and loving God. And friends, let me just say, as the writer of Hebrews said, Moses, even though as faithful as he was, didn't get to experience life that we have opportunity to do because we have the Holy Spirit and we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. And because of that, we get to see with our eyes Jesus face to face as we enter into our home in heaven that has been prepared for us. Remember I've talked about that den, that place of den, that place that's been uh, uh, set aside, okay? Jesus said in John 14, as he prepared his disciples for what we will reenact today in this holy meal, he said, I go to prepare a place for you, a home for you, a dwelling for you, a den for you, so that where I am, you might be also. You know those words, and so often they are spoken at the funeral messages that are offered for our beloved saints that we are lifting up today. Friends, I just need to wrap this up. Let me just share this with you. We are to number our days, sweetening them with the satisfaction of God's love, seeking to have God establish the very work of our hands. I was amazed this week to read a book where my covenant group is reading where it talks about Netflix reports that the average user 
watches a series of five day in a series in five days, and millions have been known to binge watch 12 hours of television in a row. Wow. And then I thought about this. Wait a minute, Doug. If you spend your Sunday afternoon in front of the TV watching the first football game, then the second football game, and then the Sunday night football game, we're getting up to nine or 10 hours of watching, binge watching football, football. So be careful about how you spend your time. But I love this. The CEO, when asked if their greatest competition with all these other streaming industries was, he said, I'm not worried about the other streaming industries. I'm worried about competing with people's sleep. Wow. Just let that one sit in, sink in a little bit and how we spend our days. I want to just remind you that there's a place called deathclock.com. It can be an app, but you can just go onto the website. You put in your birth date, your gender, your body mass index, your smoking status, yes or no, and your mode, whether you want a normal calculation, a pessimistic calculation, a sadistic calculation, or an optimistic calculation, and it'll give you the date that they predict, I know it's just a prediction, that you're gonna die. But you know what the amazing thing is? It has a clock that is ticking down. I'm just telling you, if you're brave enough to try it, I did normal and it said 74 years, it woke me up. I did optimistic and it went up to 94 years. I don't know if I'll make it to 94, but 74 scared me, right? Teach me to number my days that I may have a heart of wisdom. Friends, as I just look at the very end of this, let me just walk through with you these last verses. Satisfy me in the morning with your unfailing love. A good devotional life is how we count our days and spend time with God and we can log in time that is meaningful and restorative, much more than just binge watching through the news or binge watching football or other things on TV. That we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. That's why we gather and worship, that we can sing songs to the Lord and joyfully. We make us glad all our days that we have afflicted. May, we, may your deeds be known to your servants and your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord rest on us. May we establish the work of our hands. Let me just close with this. On Friday morning on my day off, I got up at 5.30 in the morning. And I had breakfast with two guys who are starting a life-to-life relationship together, a Christ-centered relationship of, di- of discipleship. And I, I just finished discipling, spent 13 weeks with one individual, and I'm handing him off because now he's investing his life in another individual who's going through a very difficult time in his life and needs to be discipled in Christ. He was here in the 8.30 service this morning. This young man is growing in his faith, and now we have a Marvin member pouring into him. I got up in the morning because it gave me extremely great joy to watch God work. And friend, when you find your sweet spot of ministry, I'm a shepherd, right? When I find two sheep that will come together and invest spiritually in one another's lives, that gives me extreme joy, enough that uh, I could get up. Ask Gina, I came home on fire for the Lord because I'm seeing God at work. Friends, find your sweet spot. Establish the work of the hands because God has called you to do something for his kingdom. That's what we celebrate today, the numbering of days. Life is hard. We are mortal beings, but because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, those whose names we call today will be with God forever. And let me say also, 
We must consider the wrath of God because God is adamantly opposed to anything that is going to take life from you. And lastly, friends, we must remember to sweeten every day with Jesus Christ. Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning worship services at 8.30, 11 on our campus in downtown Tyler, Texas. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and ways that you can partner with us to make a difference for God's kingdom here in Tyler and around the world. Contributions can be made to the church through our QR code now seen on the screen or by sending a check to the church. May God bless you and may you have a great day.